Jury's Blue Talk podcast and radio show, the show that makes talk wish it wasn't. This is your host, Jory Rowe, and I am glad to have you along tonight where you're listening to me and leaving everyone else alone. This is Jory Rowe, and tonight's show is an hour-long special about one of the most famous aviators in history, not Amelia Earhart, not Patty Wagstaff, but the one and only Steve Fawcett is who we're going to talk about tonight on tonight's hour-long special on Jury's Blue Talk podcast and radio show. Now let's get the show underway and let's start talking about this one and only businessman, entrepreneur, aviation enthusiast, and aviator, Steve James Stephen Fawcett. I had to get the, the name right there, for example. Uh, born April 22nd, 1944, and he passed away September 3rd of 2007. And he was an American businessman and record-setting aviator, sailor, and adventurer. He was the first person to fly solo nonstop around the world in a balloon and in a fixed-wing aircraft. Now, I did not know he made his uh, his goal of going around the world in a balloon, but he most certainly did, too, in a fixed-wing aircraft. He made his fortune in the financial services industry and held world records for five non-stop circumnavigations of the Earth as a long-distance solo balloonist, as a sailor, and as a solo-flight fixed-wing aircraft pilot. Got a good picture of James Stephen Fawcett. Like I said, he was born April 22, 1944, in Jackson, Tennessee. And he died September 3, 2007, at age 63 in the Sierra Nevada Mountains, California, in the United States. And the cause of death was a plane crash. He went to Garden Grove High, Washington University in St. Louis, and Stanford University. He is well known for setting a large number of world records as an adventurer, sailor, and aviator. And his wife's name was Peggy Vineland, if I said that right. A fellow of the Royal Geographical Society and the Explorers Club, Fawcett set more than 100 records in five different sports, 60 of which stood at the time of his death. He broke three of the seven absolute world records for fixed-wing aircraft recognized by the Federation of Aeronautica Internationale, all in his Virgin Atlantic Global Flyer. In 2002, he was awarded the gold medal of the Royal Aero Club of the United Kingdom and was inducted into the National Aviation Hall of Fame in 2007. Wow, what an honor. 
Fawcett disappeared on September 3, 2007, while flying a light aircraft over the Great Basin Desert between Nevada and California. Extensive searches proved unsuccessful, and he was declared legally dead in February of the following year. In September 2008, a hiker found Fawcett's identification cards in the Sierra Nevada Mountains in California, leading shortly thereafter to the discovery of the plane's wreckage. Fawcett's only known remains, two large bones, were found half a mile from the crash site, probably scattered by wild animals. Now we're going to get into talking about his early years as when he was a youngster, what inspired him to be an adventurer as we talk about Fawcett. He was born in Jackson, Tennessee and grew up in Garden Grove, California where he graduated from Garden Grove High. Fawcett's interest in adventure began early. As a Boy Scout, he grew up climbing the mountains of California, beginning with the San Jacinto Mountains. He said, when I was 12 years old, I climbed my first mountain and just kept going, taking on more and more diverse and grander projects. Fawcett said that he did not have a natural gift for athletics or team sports, so he focused on activities that required persistence and endurance. His father, an Eagle Scout, encouraged Fawcett to pursue these types of adventures and encouraged him to become involved with the Boy Scouts at an early age. He became an active member of Troop 170 in Orange County, California. At age 13, Fawcett earned the Boy Scouts' highest rank of Eagle Scout. He was a Virgil or not a Virgil, but a Vigil Honor member of the Order of the Arrow, the Boy Scouts Honor Society, where he served as Lodge Chief. He also worked as a ranger at Philmont Scott Ranch in New Mexico during the summer of 1961. Boy, what a time period that was. Fawcett said in 2006 that scouting was the most important activity of his youth. In college at Stanford University, Fawcett was already known as an adventurer. His Sigma Alpha Epsilon fraternity brothers convinced him to swim to Alcatraz and raise a banner that read, Beat Cal, on the wall of the prison closed two years previously. He made the swim, but was thwarted by a security guard when he arrived. While at Stanford, Fawcett was a student body officer and served as the president of a few clubs. In 1966, Fawcett graduated from Stanford with a degree in economics. Fawcett spent this following summer in Europe climbing mountains and swimming the Dandelas. Actually, that was a pretty big feat if you can swim something like that because you put me in water and I might get petrified at knowing just the depth of the water that I'm in and there'd be no way, you know. So do I have a fear of water? Uh, somewhat. Now, Fawcett had a business career. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and bar none, if we run short on uh, content, we'll just find more to fill things in with. So just bear with me on that because I'm still trying to make this as much as my own words as possible. And with switching around certain words and adding and omitting words to uh, the, the reading here. So let's talk about Fawcett's business career. In 1968, Fawcett received an MBA from the Owen School of Business at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, where he was later a longtime member of the Board of Trustees. Fawcett's first job out of business school was with IBM, and then he served as a consultant for Deloitte & Touch, and later accepted a job with Marshall Fields. Fawcett later said, for the first five years of my business career, I was distracted by being in computer systems, 
and then I became interested in financial markets. That's where I thrived. Fawcett then became successful commodities salesman in Chicago, first for Merrill Lynch in 1973, where he proved a highly successful producer of commission revenue for himself and that firm. He began working in 1976 for Drexel Burnham, which assigned him one of its memberships on the Chicago Board of Trade and permitted him to market the services of the firm from a phone on the floor of that exchange. In 1980, Fawcett began the process that eventually produced his enduring prosperity, renting exchange memberships to would-be floor traders first on the Chicago Board Options Exchange. After nearly 15 years of working for other companies and such, Fawcett found his own firms, Marathon Securities and Lakota Trading, from which he made millions running exchange memberships. He found Lakota Trading for that purpose in 1980. In the early 1980s, he founded Marathon Securities and extended that successful formula to memberships on the New York Stock Exchanges. He earned millions renting floor trading privileges or exchange memberships to hopeful new floor traders who also paid clearing fees to Fawcett's clearing firms in proportion to the trading activity of those renting the memberships. In 1997, the trading volume of its rented memberships was larger than any other clearing firm on the Chicago Exchange. Lakota Trading replicated the same business plan on many exchanges in the United States and also in London. Fawcett Laser used those revenues to finance his adventures. Fawcett says, as a floor trader, I was very aggressive and worked hard. Those same traits helped me in adventure sports, and that it did. Fawcett said he did not participate in any of the interesting things he had done in college during his time in exchange-related activities. There was a period of time where I wasn't doing anything except for working for a living. I became very frustrated, he said, with that and finally made up my mind to start getting back into things. He began to take six weeks a year off to spend time on sports and moved to Beaver Creek, Colorado in 1990. Foster later Foster sold most of his business interests, although he maintained an office in Chicago until 2006. Now we're going to go to a small break, and when we come back, we're going to start talking a little bit about Fawcett's personal life. When we come back here on Jory's Blue Talk podcast and radio show, we'll be back. Can't get enough radio? Tune in to Jory's Blue Talk podcast and radio show. Streaming live and archived on Hubhopper and Spotify.
Tune in periodically to listen to Jory's Blue Talk podcast and radio show streaming live in Archive Hub Hopper and Spotify. Jory's Blue Talk podcast and radio show, the show that makes talk wish it wasn't. Now we're back. This is your host, Jory Rowe, and this is Jory's Blue Talk podcast and radio show where you listen to me and leave everyone else alone. And we're talking about Steve Fawcett tonight. And like I said, I did say this was an hour-long show. I'll make every effort I can to stretch it for that long period of time because we're just blowing right through this topic. But there's so much more to talk about with it, so let's get started and, and talk about Steve Fawcett's personal life. Because in 1968, Fawcett married his spouse, Peggy Fawcett, who was originally from Richmond Heights, Missouri. They had no children. The Fawcetts had homes in Beaver Creek, Colorado, and Chicago, and a vacation home in Carmel, California. Fawcett became well-known in the United Kingdom for his friendship with billionaire Richard Branson, whose Virgin Group sponsored some of Fawcett's adventures. Now, he did, actually, he did set some records, and I don't think it's going to discuss every record he set, but we're going to talk about some of the highlighted ones. And just... uh, If you go on wikipedia.com, you can see a picture of his Virgin Atlantic Global Flyer that was uh, coming into Kennedy Space Center. But Steve Fawcett was also well known for his world records and adventures in balloons, sailboats, gliders, and powered aircraft. Now let me discuss the balloon here, for example, because that's the the one I know the, the best about. He made several attempts to go around the world, and I guess from what it says here that he did accomplish that goal where he went around the world in a balloon. And after several attempts to do this, I guess he did finally do it, as it says. But we're going to talk a little bit more about his records in this reading about Steve Fawcett. He's an aviator of exceptional breadth of experience. He wanted to become the first person to achieve a solo balloon, now get this, solo, by himself, balloon flight around the world, finally succeeding on his sixth attempt in 2002, becoming the first person to complete an uninterrupted and unrefueled solo circumnavigation of the world in any kind of aircraft. That's what the record was based off of. He set with co-pilot Terry Delore 10 of the 21 glider open records, including the first 2,000 kilometer out and return, the first 1,500 kilometer triangle, and the longest straight distance flights. His achievements as a jet pilot in a Cessna Citation X, or I would say probably a Citation 5, including records for U.S. Transcontinental, Australia Transcontinental, and round-the-world westbound non-supersonic flights. But prior to Fawcett's aviation records, no pilot had ever held the world record in more than one class of aircraft. Fawcett held them for four classes of aircraft. Now that is something. Now in 2005, Fawcett made the first solo, non-stop, 
unrefueled circumnavigation of the world in an airplane. In 67 hours, in the Virgin Atlantic Global Flyer, a single-engine jet aircraft. Single engine. I saw pictures of this pretty slick-looking machine there. In 2060, again circumnavigated the globe nonstop and unrefueled in 76 hours and 45 minutes in the global flyer, setting the record for the longest flight by any aircraft in history with a distance of 25,766 statute miles, or 41,467 kilometers. Now that's a distance, and that's unrefueled, global non-stop, unrefueled. He set 91 aviation world records ratified by the Federation of Aeronautique Internationale, of which 36 stand plus 23 sailing world records ratified by the World Sailing Speed Record Council. Would you believe they have organizations for every little thing you could imagine? <laughs> On August 29, 2006, he set the world altitude record for gliders over El Calafate, Argentina, at 15,460 meters. That's 50,720 feet. Now let's talk a little bit about this balloon flight. On February 21st, 1995, Fawcett landed in Leader, Saskatchewan, Canada, after taking off from South Korea, becoming the first person to make a solo flight across the Pacific Ocean in a balloon. I'd like to actually read up on that. That, that, that. That'd be kind of interesting to read about how he pulled that off after six attempts. In 2002, he became the first person to fly around the world alone, non-stop in any kind of aircraft. He launched the 10-story high balloon Spirit of Freedom from northern western Australia on June 19, 2002 and returned to Australia on July 3, 2002, subsequently landing in Queensland. Duration and distance of this solo balloon flight was 13 days, 8 hours, 33 minutes, or 14 days, 19 hours, and 50 minutes to landing. The distance was 20,626.48 statute miles. The balloon dragged him along the ground for 20 minutes and at the end of the flight. Only the capsule survived the landing. It was taken to the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C., where it was displayed. The control center for the mission was in Brookings Hall at Washington University in St. Louis. Fawcett's top speed during the flight was 186 miles per hour, or 299 kilometers an hour, over the Indian Ocean. The trip set a number of records for ballooning, the fastest, 200 miles per hour, breaking his own previous record of 166 miles per hour, fastest around the world, which was 13.5 days, longest flown solo in a balloon was 20,482.26 miles and 24-hour balloon distance was 3,186.80 miles on July 1st. While Fawcett financed five previous tries himself, his successful record-setting flight was sponsored by Bud Light. In the end, Fawcett actually made money on all his balloon flights. He bought a contingency insurance policy for $500,000 that would pay him $3 million if he succeeded in the flight. Along with sponsorship, the payout meant that in the end, Fawcett did not have to spend any of his money other than for initial expenses. 
Now that was talking about faucet in the balloon. Let's talk about faucet as a sailor. Fawcett was one of sailing's most prolific distance record holders. Speed sailing was his specialty, and from 1993 to 2004, he dominated the record sheets, setting 23 official world records and nine distance race records. He is recognized by the World Sailing Speed Record Council as the world's most accomplished speed sailor. On the Maxi Catamaran Cheyenne, formerly named PlayStation, Fawcett's twice set the prestigious 24-hour record of sailing. In October of 2001, Fawcett and his crew set a transatlantic record of four days, 17 hours, shattering the previous record by 43 hours, 35 minutes, an increase of average speed of nearly seven knots, Wow. In early 2004, Fawcett, as skipper, set the around-the-world sailing record of 58 days, 9 hours in Cheyenne with a crew of 13. In 2007, Fawcett held the world record for crossing the Pacific Ocean in his 125-foot, 38-meter-long sailboat, the PlayStation, which he accomplished on his fourth try. So let's talk about a complete summary of sailing records. 13 outright world records around Ireland in 44 hours and 42 minutes in 93. Hawaiian Japan, 13 days, 20 hours, 9 minutes, July, August, 1995. Pacific Ocean, east to west, 16 days, 17 hours, 21 minutes, August to 95. Newport, Bermuda, one day, 14 hours, 35 minutes, 53 seconds, January of 2000. Miami to New York, two days, 5 hours, 54 minutes, 42 seconds, May 20, 2001. Transatlantic. Four days, 17 hours, 28 minutes, and 6 seconds on October 2001. The Isle of Wight, 2 hours, 33 minutes, 55 seconds, November 2001. Fastnet course, 35 hours, 17 minutes, 14 seconds, March of 2002. Plymouth Rochelle, 16 hours, 41 minutes, 40 seconds, April of 2002. Transmed, Marseilles to Carthage, 18 hours, 46 minutes, and 48 seconds, May of 2002. Round Britain and Ireland, 14 for four days, I'm sorry, 16 hours, 9 minutes, and 36 seconds, October 2002. Transat Discovery, Route 9. Route, Discovery Route, Transat Discovery Route, I'm sorry. Nine days, 13 hours, 30 minutes, 18 seconds, February 2003. And it's just, the, the list just goes on and on and on. At the time of his death, a submarine, Deep Flight Challenger, was under construction to enable Fawcett to be the first solo submariner to reach the Challenger Deep. Now... We're going to talk about him briefly being an airship pilot. Okay. Uh, let's go back here. All right. And then we're going to cut to another break, and we're going to try to finish up with the rest of the information we have and pinch it off there. As an airship pilot, Fawcett set the absolute world speed record for airships on October 27, 2004. The new record for fastest flight was accomplished with a Zeppelin NT at a recorded average speed of 62.2 knots or 71.6 miles per hour. The previous record was 50.1 knots or 57.7 miles per hour set in 2001 
in a virgin airship. In 2006, Fawcett was one of only 17 pilots in the world licensed to fly the Zeppelin. Now we're going to cut to another break here, a kind of a quiet break with some sounds. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about James Fawcett, or Michael Fawcett, James Michael Fawcett, here on Jory's Blue Talk podcast and radio show. Stick by, we'll be right back. Listening to Jordy's Blue Talk podcast and radio show, the show that makes talk wish it wasn't. All right, now we're back. We're talking today on the show about Michael Fawcett, aviator, businessman, entrepreneur, lots of credentials to this man. So let's keep talking about who Fawcett was and what made him famous. Fawcett made the first solo nonstop unrefueled fixed wing aircraft flight around the world between February 28th and March 3rd of 2005. He took off from Salina, Kansas, where he was assisted by faculty members and students from Kansas State University and flew eastbound with the prevailing winds, returning to Salina after 67 hours, one minute, 10 seconds, without refueling or making intermediate landings. His average speed was 342.2 miles per hour, and he was also the absolute world record for speed around the world, non-stop, non-refueled. His aircraft, the Virgin Atlantic Global Flyer, had a carbon fiber reinforced plastic airframe with a single Williams FJ44 turbofan engine. It was designed and built by Bert Rutan and his company, Scaled Composites, for long-distance solo flight. The fuel fraction, the weight of the fuel divided by the weight of the aircraft at takeoff, was 83%. On February 11, 2006, Fawcett set the absolute world record for distance without landing by flying from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida around the world eastbound, then upon returning to Florida, continuing across the Atlantic a second time to land in Bournemouth, England. The official distance was 25,766 statute miles and the duration was 76 hours and 45 minutes. The next month Fawcett made a third flight around the world in order to break the absolute record for distance over a closed circuit without landing, with takeoff and landing at the same airport. He took off from Salina, Kansas on March 14, 2006 and returned on March 17, 2006, after flying 25,262 statute miles. That's quite a distance. There are only seven absolute world record for fixed-wing aircraft recognized by the Federation and Aeronautica Internationale, and Fawcett broke three of them in the Virgin Atlantic Global Flyer. All three records were previously held by Dick Rutan and Gina Yeager. 
from their flight in the Voyager in 1986. Boy, do I remember that. Fawcett contributed to the Global Flyer, to the Smithsonian Institution's permanent collection. It is on display at the Udvar Hazy Center of the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. Fawcett flew the plane to the center and taxied the plane to the front door. If that isn't something to think about. So let's talk about a few of these transcontinental aircraft records. Fawcett set two U.S. transcontinental fixed-wing aircraft records in the same day. On February 5th, 2003, Fawcett and co-pilot Doug Travis flew his Cessna Citation X jet from San Diego, California to Charleston, South Carolina in two hours, 56 minutes, 20 seconds at an average speed of 726.83 miles per hour to smash the transcontinental record for non-supersonic jets. And the Cessna Citation X is a non-supersonic jet. He returned to San Diego, then flew the same course as co-pilot for fellow adventurer Joe Ritchie in Ritchie's turboprop, the Piaggio Avani. I know that aircraft. It's got two propellers in the rear. It put, they're pusher props. Their time was 3 hours, 51 minutes, 40, 52 seconds at an average speed of 546.44 miles per hour, which broke the previous turboprop transcontinental record held by Chuck Yeager and Reynold Davenport. Fawcett also set the east-to-west transcontinental record for non-supersonic fixed-wing aircraft on September 17, 2000. He flew from Jacksonville, Florida to San Diego, California in 3 hours, 29 minutes at an average speed of 591.96 miles per hour. On my birthday, July 5th, Fawcett and co-pilot Mark Rebholtz recreated the first non-stop crossing of the Atlantic, which was made by the British team of John Alcock and Arthur Whitten Brown in June of 1919 in the Vickers Vimy biplane. Their flight from St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada to Clifton, County Galway, Ireland in the open cockpit Vickers Vimy replica took 18 hours, 25 minutes with 13 hours flown in instrument flight conditions. Because there was no report in Clifton, airport in Clifton, Fawcett and Ribholtz landed on the 8th fairway of the Connemara Golf Links. Wow. I bet that was, like, extremely legal. Now, he did fly gliders, too, and we're going to go over some of these. The team of Steve Fawcett and Terry DeLore set... Ten official world records in gliders while flying in three major locations. New Zealand, Argentina, and Nevada, United States. An asterisk on this list indicates records subsequently broke by other pilots. 1,000 kilometer out and return world record. That was December 12th of 2002. 750-kilometer triangle world record, July 29, 2003. 1,500-kilometer out in world return, November 14, 2003. Now, I'm not reading all these in order, but just some of the highlight of some of the things that, that this world-renowned aviator has done. Because Fawcett and co-pilot... Einer Anna Volson flew a glider into the stratosphere on August 29, 2006. The flight set the absolute altitude record for gliders at 15,460 meters or 50,720 feet. Since the glider cockpit was unpressurized, the pilots wore full pressure suits, similar to spacesuits, that is, so that they'd 
be able to fly to altitudes above 45,000 feet. Fawcett and Envin Solson had made previous attempts in three countries over a period of five years before finally succeeding with his world record flight. This project, or in Denver, is known as the Perlin Project. Now he didn't stop at sailing, he did not stop at aviation. Let's talk about cross-country skiing. As a young adventurer, Fawcett was one of the first participants in the World Whoppet, a series of cross-country ski marathons around the world. While he had little experience as a skier, he was the first group of citizen athletes to participate in the series debut in 1979. And in 1980, he became the eighth skier to compete and complete all 10 of the long-distance races, earning a World Whoppet medallion. He has also set cross-country skiing records in Colorado, setting an Aspen DeVale record of 59 hours, 53 minutes, 30 seconds in February of 98, and an Aspen to Eagle record of 12 hours, 29 minutes in February 2001. Like I said, he didn't stop at that. Let's talk a little bit about mountain climbing. He, had, he, he, he was just an adventurous and, and liked all these sports. Fawcett was a lifelong mountain climber and climbed the highest peaks on six of the seven continents. In the 1980s, he became friends with Patrick Morrow, who was attempting to climb the highest peaks on all seven continents for the seven summits world record which Morrow achieved in 1985. Fawcett accompanied Morrow for his last three peaks including Vincent Massif in Antarctica, Carteston Pyramid in Oceania, and Elbrus in Europe. Why Fawcett went to the climb most of the seven summits peaks himself he declined to climb Mount Everest in 1992 due to asthma. He later returned to Antarctica to climb again. Now let's talk a little bit about his other accomplishments, because I'm sure he didn't stop at that. Fawcett competed in and completed premier endurance sports events, including the 1,165-mile Iditarod Trail Sled Dog Race, in which he finished 47th on his second try in 1992 after training for five years. He became the 270th person to swim across the English Channel on his fourth try in September of 85 with a time of 22 hours, 15 minutes, Although Fawcett said he was not a good enough swimmer to make the varsity swim team, he found that he could swim for long periods. Fawcett competed in the Ironman Triathlon in Hawaii, finishing in 1996 in 15 hours, 53 minutes, and 10 seconds. He ran the Boston Marathon and Leadville Trial 100, a 100-mile Colorado Ultra marathon, which involves running up to elevations of more than 12,600 feet in the Rocky Mountains. Did I say that he raced cars in the mid-70s and later returned to the sport in the 90s? He competed in 24 hours of the Le Mans road race in 93 and in 96, along with the Paris to Dakar rally. Now, there is a picture of his balloon crashing here in a 1998 attempt at an around-the-world balloon flight. Richard Branson and Perlistrin ends in the Pacific Ocean on December 25th. What a Christmas present. Because he tried six times over seven years to be the first solo balloon circumnavigation, his fifth attempt cost him $1.25 million of his own money his sixth and successful attempt was commercially sponsored. Two of the attempts were launched from Bush Memorial Stadium 
in St. Louis, Missouri. Washington University in St. Louis served as a control center for four of the six flights, including the record-breaking one. In 1998, one of the unsuccessful attempts at the ballooning record ended with a five-mile plummet into the Coral Sea off the coast of Australia that nearly killed Fawcett. He waited 72 hours to be rescued at a cost of $500,000. The first attempt began in the Black Hills of South Dakota and ended up outside of Hampton, New Brunswick, 1,800 miles later. The second attempt launched from Bush Stadium cost $300,000 and lasted 9,600 miles before being downed halfway in a tree in India. The trip set records at the time for duration and distance of flight, with Fawcett doubling his own previous record, and was called Solo Spirit after Lindbergh's Spirit of St. Louis. Fawcett slept an average of two hours a night for the six-day journey, conducting in below zero temperatures. After taking too much fuel to cross the Atlantic and circling Libya for 12 hours while officials decided whether or not to allow him to enter their airspace, Fawcett did not have enough fuel to finish the flight. That year, Fawcett flew further for less money than better financed expeditions, including one supported by Virgin Galactic founder Richard Branson. All right, the Solo Spirit capsule was put on display at the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum across from the Apollo 11 command module. So it's all there. Okay, we're going to cut into another quiet break here for a few, for a couple minutes. When we come back, we'll talk about his awards and honors and his death during the last 15 minutes of the show on Jory's Blue Talk podcast and radio show. Stick by, we'll be right back. Can't get enough of radio? Tune in to Jory's Blue Talk podcast and radio show for the show that makes talk wish it wasn't. Tune in to Jory's podcast and radio show right here with Blue Talk where there's never enough to talk about. This is your host, Jory Rowe, and we're back here with you on Jory's Blue Talk Podcast and Radio Show. And today we're talking about Michael Stephen, or <laughs> James Steve Fawcett. Adventurer, balloonist, sailor, mountain climber, all kinds of stuff. This dude was just one heck of an adventurist. So we're going to talk a little bit briefly about his awards and honors. So let's start in 2002. 
where Fawcett received aviation's highest award, the gold medal of the Federation of Aeronautique Internationale, and in July of 2007, he was inducted into the Aviation Hall of Fame. He was represented at a ceremony by Dick Rutan. In 1997, Fawcett was inducted into the Balloon and Airship Hall of Fame. In February 2002, Fawcett was named America's Rolex Yachtsman of the Year by the American Sailing Association at the New York Yacht Club. He was the oldest recipient of the award in the 41-year history and the only recipient to fly himself to the ceremony in his own plane. He received the Explorer's Medal from the Explorer's Club following his solo balloon circumnavigation. He was given the Diplôme de Montegolfier by the Federation Aeronautique Internationale. I hate that name, and it keeps coming up a lot in this. He received the Harmon Trophy given annually to the world's outstanding aviator and aeronaut in 1998 and 2002. He received the Grand Medaille of the Aero Club de France and the British Royal Aero Club's Gold Medal in 2002. He received the Order of Magellan and French Republic's Medal de l'Aeronautique in 2003. The White Knight II, the spirit of Steve Fawcett, was named in Fawcett's honor by his friend Richard Branson in late 2007. Following his disappearance, Peggy Fawcett and Dick Rutan accepted the Spread Wings Award on Fawcett's behalf in the 2007 Spreading Wings of Gala, Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum in Denver, Colorado. In 2010, Fawcett was inducted into the International Hall Air and Space Hall of Fame, I'm sorry, at the San Diego Air and Space Museum. So he won so many awards, he set so many records, it was just unbelievable what this man has accomplished by being an adventurist. I don't say I'm that adventurous, but we're going to talk about his death and he was flying a super decathlon in which I flown one that was radio controlled so kind of get an idea of how they feel a little bit let's talk about it before we end the show at 8:45 a.m. on the morning of Monday September 3rd which was Labor Day 2007 Fawcett took off in a single-engine champion eight KCAB Super Decathlon light aircraft from the Flying M Ranch private airstrip near Smith Valley, Nevada. When he failed to return, searches were launched about six hours later. There was no signal from the plane's emergency locator transmitter that's designed to be automatically activated in the event of a crash, but it was of an older type of notorious or failing to operate after a crash. It was thought that Fawcett may have also been wearing a Breitling emergency watch with a manually operated ELT that had a range of up to 90 miles, but no signal was received from it. On September 13th, Fawcett's wife, Peggy, issued a statement clarifying that he owned such a watch but was not wearing it when he took off for the Labor Day flight. And you look on here, you can see a map of where he took off from and where he disappeared from and stuff like that and where his remains were found. Fawcett took off with enough fuel for the tour of five hours of flight, according to spokesperson Major Cynthia S. Ryan, public information officer with the Civil Air Patrol. Searchers with Civil Air Patrol were told that Fawcett had gone out for a short flight, 
possibly including the areas of Lucky Boy Pass and Walker Lake. At one point, it was suggested that he might have been out scouting for potential sites to conduct a planned land speed run. A Federal Aviation Administration spokesperson noted that Fawcett apparently did not file a flight plan and was not required to do so. On the second day, Civil Air Patrol aircraft searched but found no trace of the wreckage after initiating a complex and expanding search of what later evolved into nearly 20,000 square miles of area of some of the most rugged terrain in North America. On the first day of CAP searching, operations were suspended by midday due to high winds, according to Ryan. By the fourth day, the Civil Air Patrol was using 14 aircraft in the search effort, including one equipped with the Archer system that could automatically scan detailed imaging for a given signature of the missing aircraft. But by September 10th, search crews had found eight previously identified, unidentified crash sites, which some of them were decades old. The urgency of what was still regarded as a rescue mission meant that the minimal immediate effort was made to identify the aircraft in the uncharted crash sites. Although some had speculated that one could have belonged to Charles Clifford Ogle, missing since 1964. About two dozen aircraft were involved in the massive search, operating from the primary search base at Minden, Nevada, with a secondary search base located at Bishop, California. <clears throat> On September 7th, Google Incorporated helped in the search of the aviator through its connections to contractors that provide satellite imagery for its Google Earth software. Branson said he and others were coordinating efforts with Google to see if there's any high-resolution images that might include Fawcett's aircraft. On September 8th, the first of a series of new high-resolution imagery from Digital Globe was made available via an Amazon Mechanical Turk beta website so that users could fly, flag I'm sorry, potential areas of interest for searching. But by September 11th, up to 50,000 people had joined the effort scrutinizing more than 300,278 square foot squares of the imagery. Peter Cohen of Amazon believed that September 11th, the entire search area had been covered at least once. Now it goes on and on and on and on to talk about his death and we're running out of time for the, you know, the search and rescue cost. I mean, it, it, the governor of the state of Nevada wanted to charge Steve Fawcett's family for the $687,000 expense of the search for Fawcett. You think they would have paid that? Why, hell no. <clears throat> well, it is safe to say that the man is dead, and I read earlier that they found two large bones that were possibly his that were found miles from the crash site and everybody knows that he died probably from the crash but how his bones got that far away from the crash site is another thing to think about well <clears throat> we've reached the end of the line this is the show for tonight glad you tuned in you listened to me and you left everyone else alone this is jory's blue talk podcast and radio show We'll catch you later for now.